So hello everyone and welcome. I am so excited today that I have this amazing artist, healer, therapist, the intersection of everything that we really talk about in um, the International Urban Mystics community. And uh, I actually heard about this artist through the Witch Wave podcast and I reached out immediately. I think I was still listening actually to the podcast. I was like, I need to talk to Edgar. (laughs) So I'm so happy today to welcome Edgar to the podcast, to the interview today. Thank you, Edgar. Yeah, thank you so much, Isabel, for having me. I'm so honored to be a part of this, you know, international network. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. I think that you'll have just since you're already doing it um, and you're putting the art into practice and also coming to terms with parts of your identity, parts of your healing, um, I think that it's always so great to hear from folks that are doing it because it's not not so popular in mainstream culture to hear about healers, artists, and therapists kind of all coming together. So I thought that we could talk a little bit about that today. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think, you know, for a long time, I felt very alone um, Mm. wanting to be on this journey and felt very confused. And so I'm really, really happy to be talking about this because I think it's really important to talk about it and to also, you know, let people know that it exists. Because I think for myself, that definitely for a long time in my life was a big barrier, was like not seeing other people doing it and really feeling like, and is this vision for my life Mm. that I'm feeling does it really make sense or you know because if you can't see it then it's hard to know that it exists so it's possible oh, right and tell me actually a little bit of a, well a little bit <laughs> of the of your backstory in that way of how you came from is this even possible can this be my reality to actually finding community creating your own community with your art practice and what kept you going right because it can be hard as a solitary practitioner sometimes to be like well are there other people like me (laughs) yeah definitely yeah well it's definitely like a long story so i'll like maybe think about a couple of those moments where you know i feel like you know one that feels really seminal and that feels like a really big part of um kind of what drew me or moved me in this direction was when i was really young i grew up jehovah's witness i grew Mm. up in a small rural town in southern california and um most of my community was from my church and so i remember being around 14 or 15 and i was like at a bible study in the Mm. park and Mm -hmm. i was with my friends and i just had a moment where i was like wait, I'm different than people here. And, you know, kind of, it's, you know, those moments where, like, kind of consciousness emerges in you and that, like, things just came together and it really made me realize, like, once I, you know, these people see who I am, you know, and knowing that I was, like, harboring the secret of, like, being queer and being Mm. different, um, I realized, like, okay, I'm going to have to basically find a whole new community. And that was like such a huge um, moment, especially when you don't know that it exists or that it's possible. So, you know, thinking about the unseen, like I think that was one of those moments where I just was kind of basically avoid or facing this moment of not really being sure of what like my future would look like. And 
it was both like horrifying, but it was also this in powerful like invitation from spirit to really kind of come back to myself, come back to my body, and really realize like my power. And I think that that's been something that's kept me going for a lot of my life is mm. trying to come back to my power, trying to come back to my inner magic, um, yes. and finding ways to transform and transmute reality. Um, and there, you know, some moments that I can think of are when you know i was the first in my family to go to university my parents didn't want me to go because in our church it was really looked down upon mm. and you know i i really wanted to do it i was excited by school i've always been excited by learning and so i decided to go into school and i took the, the route that i felt my parents would not object with which i started studying uh, psych psychology and that's really kind of what opened up this big other pathway mm. into like art and other dimensions and while I was in school I ended up um, kind of taking an art history class um, to learn about history of Latin American art Amazing. and it really inspired me and was like and I knew at that moment like, I have to kind of start moving more down the path of art as well even though I had kept it hidden hidden from my parents uh, for a long time too so, <laughs> so real <laughs> right <laughs> and so and I even like did a double bachelor's so I was like I know if I do just an art degree they're gonna freak out and uh -huh. take me out of school <laughs> oh my yeah so but I, I do feel like kind of coming back to like what you can't control in the moment has always really been um, a powerful lesson for me and I've really kind of leaned into that a lot in my life um, and so you know kind of fast forwarding like years later um, I, after being in school, I ended up studying abroad, the first in my family to like ever do something like Amazing. that, to in the country. Yeah, and become, and at that time, I also came out, I came out mm. of the closet, and yeah, I saw it as a way to like kind of maybe establish my own self, establish my own identity, For or sure. even my connection. And one thing I knew was when I got to England, um, I had another one of those big moments was right before I left, actually, my brother, uh, my older brother, threw me a party. And what it was, was like him and his friends were sitting while being drunk. And <laughs> <laughs> at one point in the night, he got really drunk and he said to me, like, why are you leaving? You are, you're, you know, going to regret it. You're going to realize there are no friends waiting for you anywhere. Mm. And, you know, really kind of in, in a way was like shaming me for wanting to study abroad or to do something like Oof. that and I realized at that moment that like deep within I like heard a voice saying like no this is not your reality mm -hmm. um, your reality is different mm -hmm. and so when I got to England like the first thing I did I just literally started walking and walking and walking and I knew that if I kept walking I was going to find my people and I course found a flyer for a music show and at that music show I met my first like queer anarchist friend <laughs> this, yeah <laughs> huge network of like queer anarchists and witches and artists like people doing music like all sorts of stuff and it was just like this whole other reality opened up mm. and so I've kind of like internalized that and you know I've lived in Portland I've lived in Oakland California and Los Angeles now I'm in Tulsa and I feel like wherever I've gone I've taken that like inner knowing that like my people my community is always around and so wherever i've gone i've kind of really been able to call in and to also find and to forge spaces even um, 
like one big thing I did was in Portland, Oregon, I created like queer and trans music and arts festival. And that was a huge way for me to build community. So I think a lot of the core of my practice is collaboration and community building and also forging a space for myself and really using my practice as a way to forge a space for myself and also to forge spaces for others, especially within like systems like art institutions or systems mm-hmm. where you know, queer and trans or voices of color or voices of mystics are not really heard sometimes. Yes. I love that your um, moment, there, there were kind of these snapshot moments, of course there were many things happening in between, but these kinds of moments of divine intervention, of spirit speaking, and trusting it, and then it leading you to being abroad, to coming out, to really forging your own identity personally, but then calling in the divine right community for you. Yeah, love that. And I think that is like the power of the unseen and of also like noticing when spirit visits you, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something that you, that's not tangible. It's something that you feel or if you're, you know, able to, you can like really listen to it and hear it. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I, I think for for some folks, uh, we've discussed it in the urban mystics of, uh-oh, is this a spiritual awakening or am I losing my mind <laughs> a little bit, right? Right? Um, and it's interesting, too, that you mentioned around 13, 14, this is kind of even many different cultures around the world, that moment of awakening. Um, and I would love to hear, actually, and, and we, I know we have some questions already planned, but I'm like, oh, this is too good. Uh, <laughs> your... Um, not reconciliation, but almost, with becoming a bruhex, uh, a healer, a shaman, uh, integrating that ancestral identity and really taking on that identity of healer. Yeah. Um, well, it, it's interesting that you say it because I didn't really share this, but at 13, 14, like, one of the, my big initiations that really led me into the path that I'm currently on was um, I was a part of GATE, which is like this kind of, um, I would say it was like for like special students uh, mm. or like, you know, where they like kind of took us and did things that I feel like a lot of students weren't allowed to do because we like had good grades or whatever. Got it, got it. <laughs> and they took us to an art museum and it was my first time ever going to an art museum. And and I saw an art piece uh, that when I was standing in front of it, it was that moment where I think you could use it for like a, know a psychological break mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or a transcendent moment yes. where I just like something opened up and mm. I was curious and I didn't know what it was and it really kind of moved me down the path of like what is art you know and then art you know also really started to interview with psych- psychology and psychotherapy and so it's been a journey definitely I think to end up kind of where I am today um, for a long time I felt like I had to choose a path Mm. (laughs) for a long time I was like I'm gonna either be a therapist or I'm gonna be an artist and you know I was talking about studying abroad you know when I was abroad I went from being at UC Riverside which in the UC system in California they're very regimented Ah. there's always like every class has like essays and projects Mm -hmm. Um, and when I got to England I went up to my professor and I asked her um, what is the reading list and like what are we expected to turn in and she just like looked at me and she was like 
go to like a gallery, go to an art show, go get drunk. Like, like, and she said, we want you to produce one art piece. That's it. Mm. And that in a year too. And I was like, what? And so there was a day when I was um, studying abroad where I like really heard my ancestors come forward and mm. I didn't know it was my ancestors at the time, but they really let me know. Like they woke me up in the middle of the night with like drums in my head and I kept hearing the word shaman, which I think was like the only word that I had at that ah, time to understand the concept. Um, for sure. And I didn't know what to make of it. Um, and it really scared me because I was like, what does that mean? Like I'm in an art program. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, you know, studying abroad. Like, what does it mean to be a shaman in a, in a country or in a world where shamanism isn't really treated with respect mm-hmm. or really honored in the way that shamanic cultures have honored it before? And so that, I think kind of that question really kind of pushed me and kind of has pushed me and really brought me to where I'm at, where I really do feel like my ancestors have been guiding me to come to a place where I can inhabit multiple worlds and have moved me into the realm of psychotherapy and moved me into the realm of witchcraft and magic and also have guided me in coming back to them too because Mm. you know for a long time my parents never talked about who our ancestors were yeah and that has to do you know a lot with colonization and fear and you know I was led by my ancestors through a journey where um, I was able to be brought back to a crystal that they like kind of guided me to through a dream mm. and that opened up this conversation with my dad <clears throat> and that conversation really led to a moment where he finally was like you know your grandfather used to talk to crystals your grandfather was gifted in this way mm. and we like never talked about it and he and they said well he stopped doing all that stuff when we got into the village it's because we're indigenous and you know we have these customs and so he told me that I'm Piravika that I'm Borobichol or Piravika and just knowing that and starting to learn more it has yeah. so much started to make sense about my life and knowing and kind of being able to witness like those moments where spirit would speak to me or those moments where it was my ancestors coming forward with guidance and mm-hmm. so I really at this moment know that my ancestors have been with me my whole life and they've been I mean, I think a lot of people are having that experience too. I've definitely worked with a lot of people who are are receiving ancestral guidance or ancestral like nudges. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, yes, I, I love that. I think that that actually it's it's a perfect thing here of really the. I know that you're working at the intersection of art and healing and psychotherapy. And I think really right now, more than ever, it's so important that these elements come together. Um, I'd love to know your thoughts on why putting these these different things, these different ancestral parts of self, the psychotherapy, so the traditional Western model, the magic, and the kind of shamanic background as well, why is it so important now more than ever that they come together? Yeah, oh, 
I think, you know, there's so many reasons. One of them I think about, you know, that I really, you know, think about my ancestors and also the living Vidavika people today that, you know, so many indigenous communities around the world do not separate these yes. categories, right? Yes. <laughs> um, these are all mediums of transformation, mediums of healing, mediums of growth. Um, and they all create portals and i think portals are really big in my practice uh, i work a lot with portal energy and even mm. what i talked about at the beginning where when i was in front of that art piece to me i really see that as an initiation or this moment where yes. the intention the energy that someone put into their piece kind of emerged out mm. and met the right person at the right moment right yes, <laughs> um, yes totally <laughs> and, and that's the power also of psychotherapy i think where you with someone in the portal space and support their own transformation and the same way shamanic practices indigenous practices are all about transforming working with healing um, purifying cleansing like all these different things that you can do both with art practice and also with um, these other modalities and you know i think i've always kind of lived in those two worlds and i feel like i feel yeah. really comfortable in those worlds and i more and more witness those worlds start to blend and work mm. um, and that's been really amazing just like for example like being invited into museum spaces to do ceremony work or yes. um being invited into psychotherapeutic um like i was a part of this art therapy conference and i was mm. able to do a therapy yeah, like workshop on ritual and so finding these kind of worlds starting to blend and start to realize like the importance of communing with each other and not having these like regimentations between each other yes i i love that it's becoming slowly but surely integrated more and more becoming more normal <laughs> yeah <laughs> like uh, come on <laughs> that was something you know i think that when i moved to los angeles it was a really big eye-opener because mm. in los angeles there's so many people who are working at those intersections um, uh -huh. like who are artists who are also witches who are healers who do different somatic practices and they also paint you know or mm -hmm. just kind of that blending and so that was really validating uh, but also i think now being on the internet yeah. being able to see so many people who do that who are at those intersections and who are expanding them yes. in ways that are maybe we weren't able to think about that all that has been so exciting to witness mm -hmm. absolutely and i appreciate you showing up in those spaces too right it is a little bit more of each individual person putting their mark moving forward to make this more accessible for folks so thank you for the work that you do yeah i'm curious since there are those folks if they do stand in front of a piece of art and they go through the portal and they're doubting oh no is this okay am i you know normal what would you what kind of advice or how can an individual begin the journey into the unseen in a safe way yeah i think that's a really important question and something that i've really been um yeah, thinking a lot about myself, especially my role as someone who is an intermediary. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, what's been kind of difficult is I, I have had jobs as a psychotherapist where I have worked with people who, you know, are highly gifted or having moments where they are being awakened. And I've witnessed like what it can do to someone to then only have the narrative of the biochemical mm. or, the, or the medical 
Yes. And so it's been um, an honor to be able to be in those spaces and to offer a different narrative and to yes. be able to share that, you know, but we both need support and guidance to be able to really work with our energy bodies, with our whole bodies as a system of energy. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that a lot of us, including myself, did not get growing up. And so I yeah. also, that's why I became a psychotherapist was because I also grew up with like tons of anxiety. I had many moments where I was doubting my sanity. Mm. Um, and so I, I think I like fully understand that experience. And I think for myself, therapy has been a powerful conduit yeah. for healing. Um, and also as has magic, as has art practice too. Um, and I think really normalizing that these are very um, typical experiences, especially of people who are highly sensitive yes. or who are able to feel more than a lot of other people. It's very normal to have <laughs> overwhelm or to need to learn how to work with our systems. And I think that's also why it's really important to get with people and have people support you in, you know, to learn meditation or, or learn how to become more aware of your body as a system so that you can do the things that you need to do to take care of them. And, and also validating and normalizing that too, that, not really meant to be always going at 100 percent or being mm. around a thousand people or mm -hmm. you know, doing all these things that were just like are normalized in our society or that sometimes unfortunately we have to engage with um yeah and so normalizing that sometimes it's okay to like need to take a step back or need to um, yeah do something for yourself to really care for yourself um and, and yeah and normalizing that there are moments where um we transcend consciousness or move into other other areas of consciousness and if that's not normalized and that's also scary yeah. um, but i think a lot of people who are gifted are able to move into different dimensions of consciousness um, i think everyone is in many ways we all mm. kind of enter different because even like let's say this consciousness that we're in to be able to have this conversation that's like one altered state right yep totally um, <laughs> that we're like participating in together, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, and so I think, but when you kind of enter these other states, I think sometimes, yeah, it can be really scary, but like normalizing that that does happen and that there are ways to like get yourself to another state or to move yourself back. Um, but as I said, a lot of us need support because it's something that we didn't really know. Uh, yes. I wonder if because that's a whole journey in itself, right? Like finding a good facilitator, finding a good therapist. If somebody is looking for support for their own awakening or uncertainty of what they're feeling, what would you recommend for them? Or maybe to some questions that they would have for a therapist or a facilitator artist that they want to work with? Yeah, um, you know, I definitely want to empower people to know that it's, totally right for you to if you're going to start to see a therapist to to go and meet with multiple people yes. before you commit to anyone mm -hmm. um that's something i didn't really know until i became a therapist to mm -hmm. be empowered to do that to say let's do a consultation and while you meet kind of really see how you feel with the person mm. um, and let them know like the different maybe parts of what you're looking for and also ask them questions about things that feel important for you like for example for myself like some of my most difficult moments before i knew i had that choice um, <laughs> being able to pick someone um i've had people be homophobic towards me or transphobic mm. or like shame different parts of my life or even be 
uncomfortable because I like was more into like pagan things and not Christian things, you know. Mm. So those kinds of things I feel can sometimes be important for people when they're seeking that. So being really open and saying, yes. you know, what's your orientation towards this, and and knowing that there are therapists. Um, I, for example, like I'm a part of a, a community in Portland where we went to graduate school together all through the clinical mental health counseling program. And Love it. All of us are interested in magic and um, all of these therapists, we um, integrate different magical tools like tarot mm. or different practices into our, our work. Um, and to know that that exists and that yes. so many therapists are moving more in that direction, but also to know that there are other therapists who think that this kind of stuff is silly or mm. not real and to know you know to know that it's okay to ask them about that and that you can make an informed decision of like I don't know if I want to work with someone who you know when I talk about a spell I did or when I talk about you know some energy work that I'm doing that they're gonna you know kind of judge me for that mm. so and to know that there are witches out there who are in therapy yes <laughs> for sure I love that and I love that you have like the intersection of magic and therapy collective (laughs) as a resource (laughs) so good speaking of magic tell me a little bit around magic as you mentioned as you've kind of come to terms with the unseen parts of yourself and connecting with ancestors has there been any magical practices that if somebody is kind of beginning their journey that you would tell them to try out or to be curious about or any practices, spells uh, that you found really helpful on your journey as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think for myself, a powerful tool has been um, mindfulness practices that has been really incredible in terms of helping me become more aware of myself Mm. and really also kind of become more aware of my body. Um, I think those have been really life-changing practices that I brought into my life is noticing my body more, being with myself, kind of really assessing like what I'm needing or how I'm feeling, Mm. just to kind of in some ways almost like becoming like a a parent for yourself in a sense where you're like... (laughs) Yeah, just constantly taking care of yourself. Because um, I used to not think that way. I used to, you know, judge myself and make fun of myself or belittle myself, you know. Mm. And so kind of having that compassion and being able to step into that part of my consciousness that just can watch over me and care for me and step out of maybe the judgment parts of myself, mm, you know, yes. and to go into that. That has been powerful magic um, yeah. and has taken time to develop. So that I think that's a huge tool or something that you could even work with a therapist on kind of moving mm-hmm. towards to kind of really get to that place where you can be compassionate and mindful and curious about yourself. That to me is a really powerful place where you can then start to start moving more into doing actual practices because you'll always be with yourself in many ways. Um, and then, you know, yeah, I definitely would recommend people to learn about their ancestors because um, mm. that could really give you guidance in terms of what realms of magic you might want to move into. Yes. Or also think about your gifts that you already have. Because I know there are some people who, you know, are naturally inclined to being like clairaudient, clairvoyant, clairsentient, or have dream visions, you know. And so if there's something that's already there, seeing if you can get some support or finding ways to explore that. Um, so I, I, myself I've been really working a lot with like doing divination work with tarot or working with hydromancy or Mm. geomancy and that's something definitely that I'm 
comes from my ancestors. So those have been practices that have also been really um, life-changing and have helped me so much with my art and also my healing practices as well. Oh, I love that so much. And the specific connection to the ancestors, because it's already there. It's now just activating it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with your art, because going on these various different paths, how did you turn that art can, it can be such a personal thing to then sharing and community organizing and community and social practice as your art practice? Tell me a little bit about how that kind of evolved for you. Yeah, um, definitely. So, you know, when I was in my undergrad art program, um, my I had to do like a thesis. I, I got like an honors thesis. As I've said, I've always been like a nerd. And yes, I yes. A nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So for my honors thesis, I like wanted to do something that like brought together these realms. So I did um, an therapy, or not therapy, sorry, a psychology um, exam. Um, oh my goodness, I'm like freaking experiment i guess you yeah, call yeah. It an experiment but it wasn't really an experiment but yeah it was in a way it was it was approved by the american psychological association and i was studying and looking at internal bias and especially Ooh. specifically towards um queer and gender non-conforming folks mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. yeah it's I, what i wanted to do i wanted to kind of see what people remembered about um folks that were gender non-conforming and so I had like I think 12 videos and there was like four people in those videos who were gender non-conforming or queer um, identifying and then what I noticed was that people who, who rated themselves as higher and having a bias against queer or gender non-conforming people um, they almost only just remembered that queer and gender non-conforming people that that's all they remembered was just those bits about them and were a lot more nuanced in how they remembered people who were not gender non-conforming or, or who were not queer um, and that to me was interesting as an idea and, and so what I did with that I ended up making that into um, an installation art project uh, where I invited in community and I had all the people that worked with me to make these videos for the experiment. They contributed things that they felt kind of were a part of their identity. Yes. Um, and then I had people come in and made like a buffet, uh, like an identity uh, buffet, and people were like serving themselves. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and so just kind of in a way was exploring identity and it was really in my own process about, you know, being queer and like what that meant mm. and um, was definitely a way for me to process. And, and so I think that project kind of speaks to a lot of pieces of my yes. life. One, I feel like it's always been connected to my life and something mm. that I'm working on. So, yes. you know, something I'm processing or trying to go through. And then two, I have always kind of invited in community and also found ways to cross discipline. And that was really the inception, and I think um, going abroad and then moving to Portland when I did that Queer Music and Arts Festival, the kind of inspiration for that was that at that time, no one cared about my art. It was trying so hard to like get into galleries or get mm, into shows, yes. and no one cared about it. And I remember having so many conversations with other like folks of color, other queer and trans people, and just hearing them say like, oh, this art community here, like 
rejects me or or the music community rejects me mm-hmm. or I feel alienated and so I think you know part of my practice has really been responsive to what's happening so when I met some friends who were like interested in starting something like that I was like this is a way where I could almost transform my art practice into this community-led access and create something that I could really use myself and that I know the community could also use Um, yes yeah and that's been really the inspiration and kind of has since that moment I feel like my practice has always been like my own kind of work that I do that I like Mm -hmm. to do because I have my own kind of personal practice my own like art that I show in the spaces but a lot of times that gets woven into my community to events to public public kind of things so I definitely kind of cross those barriers constantly you'll see that in the work that I'm going to show later like the ways that that kind of just weaves in and out and I, I love that being a part of my practice in many ways. Oh, yes and I think I saw your video with the buffet of the identity <laughs> things and I was like oh this is such a great idea and no wonder I wanted to connect with you because I think my, my process is very similar of synthesizing the art, the personal you know, personal practices, the magic, and all of that. So uh, it's it's just so lovely to meet a kindred spirit. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah. And, and what's interesting, I think the video that you saw, I'm actually going to show that video. Oh, perfect. Um, and that actually, that video is a very recent project, and I had not made that connection that they're both like buffets. That oh, all right. It's definitely like food and buffet, and a definite big, big inspiration in my life. Um, but, but, um, but yeah, but I definitely, I think, yeah, most recently, I, yeah, I think working with food, bringing people together around something, and mm. has been really big and I'm I, yeah and I definitely am excited about sharing about that project because I think it's it's really kind of been an evolution of seeing like what art can do and how art you know this vehicle of art can be used to have all sorts of transformative experiences uh, yes absolutely well I were there any other final thoughts insights or important things that you would love people to come away with before we go into the art landscape? <laughs> um, you know, I think when I was thinking about the word unseen, yes. right, I was thinking a lot about the different layers of that. And I think it's important to name the different layers of the mm. unseen. Um, yes. Yeah, like, I think the unseen in terms of like the mystical and what we can connect in, you know, connect with. And for myself, I think, Really connecting with the feeling or the knowing and then a big part of my spiritual practices really um, having faith in the fact that I'm a part of a big web that is unseen mm. and I think you know meeting kindred spirits like you also really gives me that feeling of like yes like we're a part of this big web and I think about that with like the ways that like for a long period of time in our um, recent past humans kind of spontaneously around the planet created these webs of um, people who were medicine people who were shamans who were healers and thinking of that still continuing to this day that we're a part of the sacred web um, and that to me feels very it's very unseen and but it's Mm. also felt because I think a lot of us are coming together and through the internet and through these different ways we're making these connections again and seeing and building something else and I think that's something that I'm really excited about um and also I guess also naming too that 
with the unseen, there's also so many layers of colonization, mm, of, mm. Um, even like misogyny, so many things that have come up to like hide these long lineages of wisdom and practice. And I think really honoring and naming those ancestral lineages um, and practices that many of us nowadays are really receiving so much healing from and are also you know, working with and transforming and also repurposing. I think that's also really important to name that. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, that there's on so many layers of this unseen. And I think I can probably name a few more, <laughs> but I feel like just those two feel important. <laughs> no, I think, yes, absolutely, that there are, there's so many ways to, to move through the unseen, to receive from the unseen. And actually, I think we have a question here from one of the listeners here. Ruth, can you hear us if you had a question for Edgar here? Yes, yes, I'm here. <laughs> thank you. Hi, Edgar. Um, thank you so much for this. Um, what I wanted to ask you about was, I think something you've mentioned before, um, about kind of working in the, in the liminal spaces or being in the liminal spaces and what I was sort of curious about was how being in a liminal space means you can I kind of always thought being liminal space felt as if you could you were just in liminal space and you couldn't be anywhere else if you see what I mean like almost away from everything Mm. but I was curious about how it means if you're in liminal space you can have the language to speak in different spaces almost like I don't know always like that kind of shape-shifting kind of idea Mm. um I just wondered your experience of that both within art and in magic and in life in general if that makes sense (laughs) love it thank you Ruth yeah thank you Ruth um that definitely makes sense and you know I think for myself like the liminal space is something that I've had the honor of like kind of really being in that space and then also kind of feeling what it's like to be in that space and then also be able to bring back messages from that space or to be able Mm. to even be with another person in that space because I think many times like for example doing psychotherapy work you can really enter into these spaces that like almost open up and I think you can think of like I always think of like a flower or even like a wound that opens up and there's Mm. this moment where you're in this space together. And I think um, really that's, I think earlier when I mentioned like working with mindfulness and working with this part of yourself that can witness you, I think really kind of practicing being in that part so that we can even stay with ourselves even in those liminal spaces. And I also want to name that too, that liminal spaces are a part of a sacred field that humans for you know, thousands of years have really been working with and really invoking. And so I also like to believe, and and I know that when we invoke these ritualistic ceremonial liminal spaces, um, we are entering into the void. And also within the void, there is a massive field of memory of of consciousness that we're also really working to. And so I think I definitely, you know, kind of being in that intermediary space where you're able to be with it, but also know that as you're in that field, you're also receiving information. Um, and I even think, of, for example, like I, every morning, and I'm going to show um, a, 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 one of the gifts that I work with every morning, I have a practice where I just sit with like Photoshop and I like make something. And I know mm. that that's a way where I'm like kind of translating maybe yes. what I've been dreaming about or what's been coming in through the liminal space and kind of finding a medium to move it into. So it's kind of building that bridge. And I think a lot of us do that mm-hmm. in different ways, right? We have practices that we work um, with that liminal 
this case, but I hope that answers your question. Love that. Yes, it is. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Fabulous. Yes, and thank you, Ruth, for bringing up the liminal space, which is another layer of the unseen, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's a portal in you, if you will, right? <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, and that's, I think that's like a perfect segue, actually, into going into my artist yes. presentation. So excited <laughs> so, to um, see. Mirika is also known as the Eye of God or um, Ojo de Dios, o Dios Equis. Um, and Eyes of God are from my um, ancestors. They are also sacred portals. Mm. <laughs> so they're kind of a diamond shape and you weave them together and they're meant to be um, offerings to the ancestors. They're also meant to be like portals where you can communicate with ancestors and definitely work with them spell work and um and also in helping to bring together some of my own ancestral um connections and so i wanted to really center that energy and so i really brought that into the space both visually and also with some of the work that i did um one way that i worked with it interpersonally as i said i weave in many times different practices is i work by um in the center here there is a bottle that has a, a flower essence and essential oil aura spray. Mm. Um, and yeah, and so for the um, opening ceremony, I created a group where we all came together and we shared our intentions for the aura spray and we kind of created a, like an essence together yes. and put that into the spray bottle. And so everyone really, like the, the community that came, which there was, I think, about like 60 people Mm. Um, who participated we all set in our intentions and so that was brought back and put into the gallery space again and it was it's meant as an accompaniment to the show so people who come in spray themselves and then that's really help, helps them kind of move them through the gallery space mm. and I work a lot collaboratively with Plantkin um, and so I worked with some plants for this show to make the essence and they were plants that are connected to the um, history of Portland Oregon. And these images that I made here were all ones that I had been creating in the kind of the recent past that um, in some ways are part of my different parts of practice. Like you can see there's like gifts and there's like curtains and yeah. there's um, images that I've made that I kind of repurposed. And so it was a way of me kind of weaving together parts of myself, mm. um, parts of my practices, and to, in some ways creating a space that was meant to also help people have like integrating conversations or integrating connections and I also put like a, uh, a notepad where people can write their reflections for the community mm, as well. Love that. Yeah, so kind of showing like the different ways that I layer those experiences together. Um, and then so here I just have a gift that I've made um, that is kind of, you know, as I was mentioning earlier, it's part of my like practice in the morning. I love it. Connect, <laughs> connect with spirit, connect with, um, yeah, and also process and integrate. And I share a lot of these on my social media. Mm. Um, and so this uh, I did, um, I think it was 
was early at the beginning of this year, I um, worked with it in collaboration with this artist named Alina Kwayumaga, and she created this piece that's a really beautiful piece in the center that kind of cast a shadow and light all over mm. the room. And this is very much connected, I feel, to the unseen because that's a big part of her um, desire as an artist is to create spaces that really kind of speak to the unseen yes. and really bring out the, the shadow and light and kind of be um, many ways like her work is about like the space in between um, the light. And so she wanted me to do some sort of um, project there in the space. And so I, you know, what I ended up creating was I ended up creating a celebratory event where the community came together and we had all these crafts and different materials for people to play with. And we ended up making a procession that went around the whole museum and went around her space. And people got to dress up as their highest version of themselves. Yes. Um, if people are interested, I have a YouTube channel and there's like a whole video that shows like what it looked like and how we went through the museum and it was really beautiful so much like such a loving event so um that also again kind of speaks to the collaborative nature and also how i love to work with this community and i love also play play magic it's mm. <laughs> <laughs> letting play is such a powerful portal also um and so this next piece is uh an I did a billboard here in Tulsa, and this is an honoring, um, like an offering, and also a way to honor my ancestors, and specifically from my lineage. Um, and so, in the middle, I have sacred corn, sacred peyote, and sacred deer or pagumari, mm. and these are the ancestors from my people. And so, I did this as an offering, um, as an invocation, in many ways, for the space. Um, and yeah, and. And in some ways also like, you know, thinking about I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma and, mm -hmm. you know, the, the history here is pretty dark in terms of like race relations and the ways that like, yes. um, yeah, people have been um, hurt here. And so it felt very like powerful to create such a strong message. But of course, um, someone ended up defacing the project. Uh, uh. <laughs> Yeah, so I have the piece now, and I've kind of thought about exhibiting the defaced project. Um, mm. But I just to, um, in some ways, kind of speak to that because I think it's an important right now to talk about the tension that's happening. Yes. As like more folks of color and more queer and trans folks are like stepping into their power more, how it is creating this tension, and we're witnessing like a massive transformation happening. Um, and, I definitely see obviously our art is a part of that transformation and it's going to evoke responses and yes. um so you know this is another way that you know as i've talked about my work shows up it's a photo of um i did a ceremony at desert days which is this big music and arts festival that happens in southern california at the mm. desert and i have a wonderful friend named madre hawar who invited me to be a part of the mystic bazaar and in Love the bazaar, it. they have this beautiful tent yeah it's so divine they invite all sorts of practitioners um, to come and share their work and so i did a psychic pepper um, workshop where we got to connect with some local pepper trees and i also made like a pepper essence spray yeah. so people were able to connect with pepper magic and, and share their downloads and what they received the conversations or communion that they received with the plant mm. it was so beautiful and i think this also i really recently just been loving connecting with plants listening to them collaborating yes. with them and that's it's been a big big part of my practice of 
hopefully I think it's kind of learning that I can collaborate across species. You know, yes. Yeah, so I'm going to show this little video. It's a one-minute trailer, and I think it's the one that we were talking about earlier. Yes. And what this was, um, it's called Rainbow Transmissions. Um, there were two events that happened, and I think this, you know, kind of being an urban mystic. Um, this was done in Los Angeles and right in the middle of downtown Los Angeles. Mm. And it was a ceremony that was funded by the city of Los Angeles. Um, they... Um, yeah, they were creating this, it was public art ceremony, and so a lot of people made, like, sculptures. Love it. So what we were invited to do um, with the Golden Dome, which is this mystic school that I collaborate a lot with, that's in both California and New York. Yes. Um, I, we ended up creating this beautiful event that brought in some sound healers, and we um, served some beautiful plant food, and you'll see some of that. And we had ceremony, and it was really wonderful because it was both our community from the Golden Dome, and also folks who work in the downtown Los Angeles community too. So I'll show this. This looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was such a such a divine event. Um, and I it still feels surreal that it happened just because mm. it's right in the middle of downtown Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, yeah, and to think that, you know, art institutions and even city institutions are wanting more of this magic pride to communities and so life changing to witness that. Um, yeah, and so here in Tulsa, my partner and I last year, um, we wanted to really connect with the queer and trans community here in Tulsa. So mm -hmm. we ended up creating like a music showcase that had um, local queer um, and trans bands that performed. And we also invited some other bands from other parts of the country. And my partner and I performed as well. And this is our band here called BAK. Love um, it. And, yeah. <laughs> and so that, um, that was really wonderful to be able to also connect and, and also create community here in Tulsa, mm -hmm. in, a spark, in, a, in a part of the country that still, you know, does have queer community, but it's not as obviously as expansive in other parts of the country. Yeah. Yeah, and so this is a photo of my first solo show that I, I ever did. It was in Los Angeles at this museum called the Vincent Price Art Gallery. Mm. And it was the first time I ever did like an installation type project and also something of the scale um, and um, similar to the other solo show that I talked about in the entrance here, there's a table with um, a notepad and also this was a flower essence where I worked with a local herbalist named Sewon Oh and we created a 
flower essence with rue, mm. uh, with uh, I think Damiana, and um, also some. There's a couple other plants that I can't remember right now, but yeah. we worked with a couple of plants um, to also give people that opportunity or invitation to collaborate with the plant as they were in the space. Yes. And um, I made a video here that is music of my people, like ceremonial songs that I turned into like electronic music. Oh, I love that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I like kind of wanted that to really like create the atmosphere of the space. Mm. And in these little areas here with the curtains, behind the curtain, there is a video where um, I interviewed 12 different queer trans artists um, about, and I asked them two questions. One was, what is something you wish you would have heard growing up? Mm. And, and what is something you wish you would have known growing up? And so one of them was heard and one of them was known. And so I kind of um, had people's responses in both. Um, and really the, what I saw it was in many ways like a way for people to have um, like intergenerational conversation um, with folks of um, different kind of communities who are all, I think most of them based in Los Angeles. There's a couple here based in Tulsa that I, a couple of artists in the fellowship that I work with. Mm. Um, and so it was a way of intergenerational communion and also a space of respite. So people were able to like lay down and just kind of take a nap or just you know, write in the notebook. And so I definitely heard from a lot of folks um, in the museum that a lot of people, because um, the museum is located on a college campus. Uh -huh. A lot of people in the college campus community kind of would come in and just like lay down or like Aww. see it as a space of respite. Yeah, and that's definitely yeah. a big thing that I wanted for the installation was for it to have like multiple purposes as I'm a multiple, multiple yes. person. <laughs> I love that. And so I have a couple more, um, just a couple more that I'm going to talk about, but this yes. one felt really important to bring into this conversation because it really does speak to the way that magic and mysticism and witchcraft is really important within um, urban spaces and urban communities. Mm. Um, and this one I feel has been, was a really powerful project that I did where um, this was during the time that I was really um, opening up and kind of knowing about my indigenous ancestry, connecting with my um, my people and my ancestors. And I, you know, one of the things I started to learn about was that the Viralita in Mexico are constantly having to challenge um, petroleum or mining industries from coming uh. into their land, um, sacred land, where um, peyote grows. And, you know, and realize that in many ways here in, in Southern California, where I was at the time, there was also a battle happening in many ways of different industries coming in and taking over parts of the um, area or, or where they had already taken over. Uh -huh. and, um, and, and I started to become interested in looking at environmental racism. And I started to work with um, a person who does policy advising um, and also does research on environmental uh, racism. Mm -hmm. And we picked four spots where we ended up doing ceremony. Mm. Um, and it was really ceremony to acknowledge the land yeah. and also ceremony to acknowledge this pathway that was created where from the port of Los Angeles, um, materials move into that port and then from there they move out through the whole country mm. and through that like when they first move out through there they like go through these areas that are mostly usually populated with communities of color mm -hmm. and 
there are large areas that are now like um, very problematic and so these areas we chose all had different like um, it could be like um, something from like a toxic waste area or there have been communities that have been poisoned um, and as we did this project <laughs> I found out through the research that I myself was exposed to something growing up um, I was exposed to this chemical known as hexavalent that like damages the respiratory systems. Oh. And I had respiratory issues my whole life as has almost everyone in my family. Um, and so discovering this, realizing that I also was affected by that, I felt that I needed to do a fifth ritual. Mm. Um, and I got some support from the Foundation for Contemporary Arts in New York to do a fifth ritual about a mile from my parents' home near a quarry that had released all those chemicals. Mm. and that will be the last ritual that you'll see so this is a very short trailer on my youtube channel i do have each individual ceremony that i did if mm -hmm. people wanted to see that but this is just a short little trailer that shows all five of the rituals together mm. it feels like one of those moments where i really realized and kind of came together all of these different parts of myself that are about healing about community about magic and also creative practice and finding ways to really bring that together and you know a reason a big reason why i wanted to do this project was to bring the unseen which is many times environmental racism and also um, areas that you know industry colonization capitalism have destroyed that many times these companies and corporations don't receive any sort of um punishment for what they do or even mm -hmm. they don't even have to acknowledge it and whereas you know people and animals and plants have to live with that and that is much many times unseen too so I wanted to use my art practice as a vehicle to really bring this into conversation and as part of this work I also did some like advocacy work mm. I did some work where I was challenging some industries moving into my um, hometown and also um Myself and Demi Espinosa, the policy advisor, environmental um, researcher. Yes. We did some workshops together also to really share about our experience and share about um, why we felt it's important to call it out and to talk about mm. it. Because it, you know, for even for example, myself, I didn't know I was a part of, I had been affected because yeah, that's all unseen yeah. and hidden it is, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Edgar, for the intersections the synchronicities the re the reclamation and all of the work that you're doing and for spending time today and sharing your work and how it, you really are making the unseen seen in this way so just giving you so much gratitude for your presence and your work in the world and that it's so important so thank you so much uh for yeah. today and is there any way if someone wanted to reach out to you find out more about your work that uh they can find you yes um people can go to my website it's edgar fabian frias my whole name together.org and i have there like different projects that i've done and different ways that you can connect with me um, i also have a youtube channel that i've started to upload um, different videos to and i also have the, all the videos that i showed in case you're listening to this on the podcast all the videos are up on my youtube channel if you want to go see those it's under my name edgar fabian frias and i'm also on instagram under the same name edgar fabian frias and I also have a, an energy practice called Our Sacred 
lab where I do tarot work and I also officiate events and things like that. Um, so if you're also interested in that, I have information on my website as well. Love that. And all of these info will be in the show notes and the links to connect with Edgar. Thank you again so much for your time today, Edgar, and looking forward to seeing more of your work. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really honored to be connected to all of you, and thank you for having me on the show, and thank you for all your amazing questions. I really feel like they've helped really craft such a beautiful space here, and I'm really grateful, and I'm, I would love to hear from folks who listen in, any feedback or anything that comes up as well. Absolutely. All right, all, thanks for listening in today, and we look forward to connecting with you all in the International Urban Mystics Facebook group. Take care. Bye-bye.